there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. All right, crank it up another edition of Advanced Medicine. And before we officially begin, Dr. Batar, I will say happy birthday, Mom. She turned 83 yesterday. And she's, oh, wow, she's, excellent. She's an inspiration to me for sure. And she was out dancing. Everybody wanted to dance with her on her birthday at 83. Oh, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. And you know, Let's hope that Robert, you and I are um, in, in the same uh, mode, uh, even half that mode. That'd be fantastic. Oh, heck yeah. You know, she's a big fan of yours as well. And, and, and yeah, but you're right. She, she's been through so much in, in her lifetime. She's seen things at 83. We can't even imagine what she's seen. But uh, it, it is a living testament to finding what you love to do because she just loves to dance. Of course, she loves her grandkids and things, but she loves to dance, and it's a, a great joy. And, and like uh, Bruce Lipton has said, you know, if you find something that is joyful, you know, that's the the aging is associated with a lack of joy, a lack of course of movement too, and dancing is is definitely movement. Absolutely, absolutely. Any form of motion is um, is key, and we we were designed. Humans were designed to move. One of the things I was talking with um, a trainer and for horses, and we had this conversation. And we were talking about um, one of the horses um, that that I've been riding. Um, he's a stallion, but he's a little bit older. But they were looking at his joints and everything, and saying that you know how good he looked. And I've had him out in a paddock, and most of the time I don't put him in in a stall. And what was interesting was that the comment that the trainer made. He he said that we put horses, horses were designed to move, and we put them in a horse stall, a 10-foot by 10-foot little enclosure, um, and they spend the vast majority of the days there, except for time there, except for when you take them out to ride, or if you put them out for, you know, an hour or two in a pasture, and then they're in this in this cubicle, and we take away that motion, that movement, and then they start having these joint problems, and, and then they have all these different things that they have, you know, for supplements and injections and this and that to help with the with the horse's joints well you just took away the most important aspect which is motion and and even though you know i'm a big believer in supplements and stuff i think what's more important than any kind of supplement is movement is yes. what you're talking about you know dancing um, exercise whatever mm-hmm. that motion is very very important and the more you use it the more you're going to retain it that's the old saying if you don't use it you're going to lose it that there's no truer statement than that well, and it's up for some people, if you've never used it, you don't know what you're missing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. my, my classic example was, uh, you know, from childhood, I, I had a lot of ailments and illnesses, even musculoskeletal uh, inflammation. I had respiratory allergies and things. And at one point when I had, was diagnosed with tendonitis by the orthopedist, and I was actually in, in, a, in a brace and on crutches for a while recovering, he said, take up water, you know, water, go into the water, do swimming. And that, I, I grew to a love of swimming, but it was a different kind of exercise, which is great, but it's not a, a gravity pounding kind of exercise. So when I mm-hmm. later on, and this is 
now, you know, what, in my 40s when I was doing this, suddenly I took up boxing. And then I literally felt like my clavicle, right? You know, the clavicle there, the, how, what it was suddenly one day after, I don't know, some months, I don't know how long it was that I had been boxing. Uh, the, the clavicle was thicker than it ever, ever been, that I ever felt. I just happened to inadvertently grab and go, wait a second, this is way larger than I remember it. And it, it strengthened and built bone from the kind of mm-hmm. concussive shock from gravity, from movement that was, you know, physical. It wasn't even mild, but it was strengthening you as opposed to those who say, oh, you don't want to ever work too hard because, it, you know, you, you know, you'll break yourself down. But we're designed to be able to work hard. That's, that's exactly right. There's no more obvious um, testament to what you just said than when you see a person that injured an extremity, whatever it is, hand, foot, wrist, and then they get put in a cast. They're immobilized for four weeks, for six weeks to uh, promote the healing process. Well, when you take that cast off, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, Robert, but I've, done, I've experienced this myself. Patients have experienced this. Where you take off the cast and you look at the opposite extremity, that, you know, the one that was in the cast versus the one that hasn't been in the cast, and you have this uh, disconnect immediately, like, this isn't my arm, or this doesn't belong here, because it's so atrophied. Right. And it's just the lack of use, because by putting that cast on, you didn't make anything shrink. All you did was you not, didn't use it anymore. And that lack of use creates that massive level of, um, of, uh, of atrophy. And to the point that visually... There's a disconnect when you look at it. The first thing is, this, this isn't my arm, or this isn't my foot, or this isn't my leg. And it's simply from lack of use. It has nothing else. It, it, you, know, you haven't done anything. Some people say, well, you, know, you broke it. That's why. No, you broke it, so you immobilize it and cause muscular atrophy. Sure. And what you know, about the break doesn't cause anything to shrink up? Well, and what about the astronauts spending a lot of time in zero gravity environs? They they lose uh, bone density, right? Integrity mm-hmm. because yep. they don't have that yep. as by design. You know that's why I think of all these people that say yes, let's let's spend seventy years in outer space. It's like. Uh, you know, I don't think that's a good plan just on cosmic radiation uh, alone. But, uh, you know, just the lack of that kind of gravity will create, uh, I think there was a cartoon, a Wally, where the... the well, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, they yeah, all turned I was, I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, they all turned huge. You know, they were yeah. like these big... I was just going to bring up Wally, too, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, again, these are learning experiences, and you think about how great it would be to uh, live in a zero-gravity environment. Well, no, your body would have something else to say about it. And so, fascinating, we have a question of the day coming in about an 80-year-old in this case. Uh, let's see who's writing, writing to us uh, today. This is from Lisa. He says, my dad is 80 years old and appears to be in good health. He's still working and leads an active lifestyle and looks really well. He's not on any prescribed medications, but does take Gaviscon for heartburn. I assume that's an OTC. I haven't, I'm not as familiar with Gaviscon. I don't know if you've heard of that. So maybe he's in a different country if they're in England. I'm not sure. Uh, I know he shouldn't do this as stomach acid is needed to digest food. And if anything, he probably has low stomach acid at his age. In fact, the only health challenge he has is digestion. He has struggled with this for many years and has good spells and bad spells. His diet is not too bad, but he does drink some alcohol every night with his evening dinner. So I'm going to pause there. There's more to it than that. But on the issue of digestion, man, I raised my hand because, you know, a big part of my challenge this lifetime was recovering my digestive function because of all I went through as a child. Yeah, and stomach acid, and not only just the stomach acid, you could maybe even have enough stomach acid. Um, other aspects of it, the opportunistics that we've talked about, third toxicity, whether it's yeast, um, viruses, um, bacteria, whatever. The, we've talked about the terrain, the, the importance of the gastrointestinal system as an organ of detoxification. 
So all this, and it's all related. The digestion has an impact on an organ of detoxification, on um, the only real mechanism of protecting what we ingest into our bodies and sterilizing it, making it clean, um, making sure we are able to absorb the nutrients, um, first break down the nutrients or digest the nutrients and then actually absorb the nutrients because if you don't digest them properly, the body can't absorb them, which of course leads directly to the mineral aspect. We've talked about how minerals are so essential as, as important, if not more important than the removal of the heavy metals. So again, that's all tied back to the digestion. So it's, it's a, it basically regulates everything is what it comes down to. Yeah, and if you have toxins coming in, and this is where, you know, you know me, I'm a stickler for clean food, and I say, you know, you've just got to go cleaner. And, and of course, in, in modern definitions, they say organic. In France, they say biologique. And that doesn't even ex- ex- say it's perfectly pure because nothing on this planet is not some to some degree uh, altered due to environmental degradation and toxicity and pollution. But moving toward minimizing the exposure, that will help us because we are resilient. We God created us as resilient species. We can adapt and overcome a lot but there are levels at which at any point in time it's too much for me and my childhood as the canary of the coal mine of generation x it was obviously i could handle a lot less than others that seemed to move through their childhood with not having the digestive impact and other diseases and ailments and inflammatory cascades i suffered with so at 80 you know one of my questions for lisa is how much of your dad's diet is clean and organic quality versus conventionally grown because maybe he tolerated it at 40 or 50 or 60 but at 80 you have a lot less leeway. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It totally makes sense because the, your, the, the body's ability to compensate, um, it's not dependent really upon age, but it is dependent upon wear and tear. So the yeah. more wear and tear a person's had, sometimes people will mistake that, and they'll say, well, it's based on age. They'll correlate with age, but it's really more related to the wear and tear. So if your body has been worn and torn for a long period of time, then the ability to compensate and adjust is going to decrease. And I think that the amount of food that a person eats, uh, the, the types of food that the person eats, the level of toxicity of the food that they eat, the, uh, the lack of cleanliness of the food that they eat over a long period of time will create that wear and tear mm-hmm. and reduce your body's ability to compensate. You know, your, your story is a very um, powerful story in that, Robert, you had all these problems and now when somebody looks at you, you don't have any of these problems. Uh, if you do, you hide them pretty well. And, and, and you know, you've obviously gotten older since you were when you were young and had all these health problems. Right. So it's, it's, a, it's a testament to not just doing the right things um, on, a, on a regular basis, but it also proves the point that it has nothing to do with aging. Yes. It proves the point that it's all to do with the wear and tear and the continuation of the wear and tear process. And if you can negate it and stop it, age has nothing to do with it. I, I believe the same thing with exercise. I was doing something the other day. I, I was uh, doing some pull-ups, and you know, I, I recognized that I haven't done pull-ups in years. When we were in the military, we had to uh, during advanced camp and certain other uh, excursions, like when we had the cadet rangers going out and doing their things. Before we were allowed to eat, we'd have to do uh, ten pull-ups. And there were some kids that can't do that couldn't do the ten pull-ups, but you know the ones that could do it. You know, we were thinking, hey, it's okay. We we can do our ten pull-ups. Well, our cadre would say, okay, you have to do fifteen. And you know, there was always a couple of smart Alex like myself who would be like, okay, fine, I'll do fifteen. And then they say, okay, you have to do twenty. Like, wait a second, why do I have to do twenty? Because you can do fifteen already. The other people can't. So they would push us always to the limit. And I realized once difficult, now easy. Well, yes. you know, twenty pull-ups is, it becomes easy because you do it all regularly. Well. I haven't done a pull-up in a long time, so I started going out there and just doing two or three pull-ups, you know, on a regular basis, and, you know, it slowly builds up again, and 
my wife made the comment, um, something, she said, she said something, you know, like a compliment, like, you know, mm-hmm. I look good or something like that, you know, and of course, you know, it's your wife, so she's biased, right? You know, <laughs> you, you, she, you know, she probably wanted something, but anyway, um, <laughs> but, but we made the comment that she says, well, I don't know any 50 year olds that would be able to do that. Ooh. And I start thinking, because I don't see myself as a 50-year-old. Uh, no, I'm right? with you I mean, there. I, I, don't, I don't think of myself that way either. Oh, well, we got to take a break. Don't, don't go away. Super Don's going to get mad if we don't break in time. We'll be right back with Advanced Medicine, Dr. Rasha Bittar, right here on The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. in the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, so Dr. Bitsar, what do you do when your wife says, hey, you look good for an old man? <laughs> I didn't know you could do that. You know, you're going, wait a second, old? I don't feel, I mean, yeah, right, I get it. You know, when I looked, when we were kids looking to our elders, you know, at 50, when they were 50, we were thinking, well, that's pretty darn old. You know, and then you arrive there, and I don't know if it's true everywhere. Of course, if I felt at 51 the way I felt at 24 when I first started my journey into healing, then I would say, yeah, I feel pretty old. At 24, I felt old, but I was in a young body. I was I, could, I was exhausted. Yeah. I was fatigued. I couldn't do things. And I'm like, but it was it was all that I knew. So for me, I, I you know I've said that I'm very grateful for the suffering early on because I I indelibly learned things that I didn't have to learn in my 60s or 70s or even 50s or 40s when it could have been cancer based on the path that I had led down and based on my own elders and their experience in their elder years. So I'm grateful for it. So when you speak about feeling good at 50, you know, half a century in, doing things that, you know, I didn't know that at that age could be done, it isn't because... See, I don't, I don't believe in luck per se. Yes, we all have strengths and weaknesses. I happen to be weak in certain ways early on, but I think it was to my benefit so that I could teach others in addition to helping myself through the other, through those other folks that could help me to help myself that, you know, nothing's wasted unless we waste it. Well, you know, this is, I just had an epiphany as you were speaking, and this is one of those moments when you hear somebody say something and it hits a certain nerve and you realize this is a huge teaching point. So I want to make this teaching point and it comes down to this. Um, it's all about your mental state. Now, my mental state doesn't register me as 50, and I always had this impression of a 50-year-old um, as, you know, be, being at a certain level of functioning. I mean, ever since, I, I've always been the youngest in any group that I've been in. Well, now, um, I'm not necessarily the youngest in, in the group, and I, in my mind, I don't understand that concept of being 50, because I, honestly, I totally forget, or, or 51, or whatever, you know, yes. I, I forget that this is the... This is the the age, and so you just do what feels good. Now, there's certain things that I've I, I do, and I have a limitation to it. But I also know it's because of how I've abused myself. Mm. Um, uh, that's the only reason. It has nothing to do with the age of fifty. Because there's other things that I'm doing that that people that are in the forties and thirties can't do. So, and, and I know that I couldn't do them when I was in my thirties. I might have been able to do them when I was in my twenties, but then by the time I was in my thirties, you know, because of just lack of doing what I should have been doing, I wasn't able to do it. So this point that you just brought up, Robert, um, the gratitude aspect, yes. that and the mental aspect, this gratitude is such a powerful thing. And let's, let's dissect it. These are, this is not just 
fluff, fluff words. Yeah. Here's what happens when you're in that state of gratitude. Uh, if you have any kind of pathology, if somebody listening to us right now, you have some kind of pathology, embrace it for the simple reason that what that signal, that symptom, that problem that you're having today right now, it's going to allow you an opportunity, a heads up, if you will, a warning sign, the warning, the flashing signal on your dashboard telling you there's a problem so you can adjust your lifestyle, your habits, your whatever right now yes. so that downstream you don't have to suffer the consequence of failing to listen to that message. And when you said that about the gratitude and then you mentioned that, you know, not, not having something worse, way worse downstream. Yes. It is. A, that those, those symptoms that you're having are something to be deeply gra- grateful for because those are the signals preventing us. It's just like if, some, if, if, you, if there was going to be an explosion, your water, uh, hot water heater is about to blow up, and somebody knocked on your door and said, hey, I think your hot water heater is about to blow up or something's about to happen and warns you so that you don't have you know, water damage or whatever other kind of catastrophe. Or, or, some, or a mechanic tells you, hey, you, listen, your brakes are about to wear out, you know, and it prevents... Uh, if he hadn't told you that, you would have been in a car wreck because you wouldn't have been able to break or whatever. Wouldn't you be grateful if you knew that, oh, my God, if I could just take that back 10 seconds, and now you're getting that 10 second back in time that prevents you from having that catastrophe. Everybody's felt that way. I wish I had known. I wish I had. Yes. Well, when you get sick, these are the wishes that yes. you're asking for that you are, that, you know, I wish I had known. Dr. Batar, I just had an epiphany as you were talking about, you know, as I say about my symptoms being a blessing, right, the, the communication. But as I was looking at my elders, who some who had suffered and died from cancer or the treatment for cancer, their symptoms were talking to me as well. It wasn't just my own, but I paid attention to their symptoms as a communication tool to say, hey, this is the future if you don't make some changes right now. And so this is you know, a big reason why I love getting together with you. We get to have these on-air discussions for the benefit of everybody listening around the world. we got to take another break. Dr. Batar is with me. We do advanced medicine each and every week, kicking off the week together. Medicalrewind.com if you want to go directly to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of uh, broadcast healing like this. And, of course, uh, we have it on SoundCloud. You can come to robertscottbell.com. We'll link it out as well. So more with Dr. Batar and me after this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, we were answering the question from Lisa about her 80-year-old dad. We'll get back to that some more because there's more to it. But I uh, just always love the uh, the travel trips we do on the air, completely unscheduled and unplanned together, Dr. Batar. And, and you know, talking about the uh, epiphanies we have, the gratitude for the symptoms and how we can, uh, like, circumvent certain pathways that people think, well, that's my destiny. Well, your destiny, if you choose it to be, which, of course, takes destiny a little bit and alters the definition. But I think we have been granted the freedom to, at any point, change or even reverse course, given a new insight, given a consciousness shift, right? That transformation of consciousness. That's that's another powerful thing that you just said. So it is our choice. I think that the I think that the theme of this uh, show should be it's our choice. Mm-hmm. It, our mental attitude, and we have to be in the state of gratitude. Because if we are in that state of gratitude, then those those that choice that we make is going to be a choice that's going to allow us um, 
many more years on this earth in, in a much better state of health. So your mental uh, thought process, your mental attitude, your, your, what you think is going to change if you're in a state of gratitude. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, coming back to this thing about digestion, when a person has a digestion issue, for example, we may think, why am I having this issue? But think of it this way. The fact that you can't tolerate something that may not be the best for you is actually a blessing because it's preventing your body from taking in something that you know is not good for you, but you tend to take it anywhere. And hey, I got a stomach of steel. I can eat it. It doesn't bother me. But then it starts bothering you. But that's, that's a blessing because it's preventing you from taking in something that is not good for you. Type of, does, that, does that make sense? Is well, that logic making well, totally. sense? totally. I mean, you see, I, I could have cursed the fact that when I got healthy, I couldn't go back and eat McDonald's without getting deathly sick. But I was actually right. grateful for the first time my body was saying, reject that which is not good for you. And the adaptation for survival is such, and I've talked about this from day one when the doctor said, put them on baby formula, uh, that powdered stuff, and I projectile vomited that stuff out until I couldn't for survival's sake. The body says, if we continue to do this, we will perish. So it adapts and it takes some of the stuff that could be used and good and deals with the other stuff, the toxins in another way. And that set me on my road early on to being that canary in the coal mine. But, you know, I'm very grateful that I learned it. And, you know, while I was going through it, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't always so grateful. I didn't understand it was a why me, oh, Lord scenario. And, of course, eventually I learned, you know, grounded in spiritual principles that, that I was very loved and cared for to be allowed to learn these things. Somebody say lessons, some call it punishment. I don't think I was punished. I was being taught. This is how the world works. This is how creation works. And you got to get out there and communicate this because you didn't know it because nobody told you. Exactly. Exactly. So the mental state, how you stay, the mental state, another word for that would be actually attitude. And this reminds me, I've heard it somewhere, I don't remember where, but you've heard that attitude of gratitude. Yes. So now we're talking about the mental state and we're talking about gratitude anyway. So bring those two things together and it's a choice. So understanding that it's a choice to have an attitude of gratitude. Those are the three things we just talked about. And Robert, I just, this is another lecture. You, you, you realize <laughs> that we just made this a lecture, the choice of the attitude, of having the right attitude of gratitude. Mm-hmm. So attitude of gratitude is a choice. Maybe that's a better title of it. But the point is, again, all these three things that we just talked about, and each one was, this was not orchestrated, because if it was orchestrated, I don't think you would have come out this good, but it was completely <laughs> spontaneous, and, and it all came back from this question of digestion. So, you know, how, how, how much of an impact does digestion have? Well, it... This brings me to this joke, Robert, you and I have talked about this joke before. Mm-hmm. You remember the heart is arguing with the brain that it's the most important. The brain's arguing with the heart that's the most important. And the lungs chime in, the kidneys, and everybody's talking about how they're the most important. And, and then the, um, the colon, the, the anus. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Chimes in and says, I'm the most important. You know, pipes in and everybody's like, what? You, you know, you're just, you're just the, okay, I don't know what I can say or can't you say. You're just the evac- a-hole, right? Yeah, and, the evacuation route. That's all, right? Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. So he gets really mad. And he says, fine, and just clamps up and, you know, constricts his arms and nothing's going out now. And then all of a sudden, you know, within about uh, a few hours, everybody's saying, okay, okay, you're the most important. Just relax. <laughs> get, yeah, please, get rid please. of everything. Yeah. So the the digestion aspect, um, and, and some people say, what's the digestion got to do with evacuation? Well, it's everything because it starts with the digestion, then the absorption uh, of the nutrients, and then assimilation, and then evacuation. So that whole process, if if you're not 
if that process isn't working properly, and remember, if you're not putting in the right foods into your system, then from the get-go, you're not getting the right nutrients into your system, and it makes it more difficult for the system to evacuate and, and get rid of all that um, garbage, if you will. So what you do to your body and then your attitude or your response to what you're putting into your body, just even the fact of sitting there and looking at the piece of food before you ingest it and, and having a grateful attitude or having gratitude for that food that you're about to take that's going to sustain yourself has a powerful impact. It truly does. If it's, uh, whether it's plant or animal, whatever it is, just thanking the universe for having this piece of nourishment, that creates a different, a different aspect. For anybody who contested that, you know, if you read of Amoto's work and what he did with intention with water, it's very powerful. Now you put this proper food, the good food, the nutritious food that you've already blessed per se, I mean, not a religious blessing necessarily, but that you've just blessed from, sure. with an intention. You take it into your system, now you've got that whole cascade that you're realigning. You've got your mental aspect, a state of gratitude. You've got the uh, physical aspect of um, having that made that choice of taking in this this stuff that's going to sustain you, that's going to nourish you, and and then your mindset is right because you are in that state of gratitude and, and making the right choice. It, it's a formula for for success. I, I mean, I'm just looking at this. This is something that maybe I should start. I haven't talked to my cancer patients about this, but this should become actually a uh, now I'm thinking about it, it, should become actually something that we write up in a piece of paper and give to everybody that they have to start practicing this on a daily basis. I believe so. And, and you know, and this is not to say, because I know some people will take what, what we or anybody says and go to an extreme and say, well, that means I can eat anything and as long as I pray over it and I'm grateful for it, I'm going to be just fine. I mean, I think that, that at that point there's but a But that's level violating of, the first thing though, Robert. Right. That's violating the first thing with the choice. Because yes. it's your choice to do stupid things. You can, yeah. you can justify anything. <laughs> so it's your choice. Irresponsibility. Again, you know, we talk about that as well there's a point where you got to grow up and uh you know this is the thing i i grew up the hard way in a sense in many ways i had it easy relative if we look at all the different ways you can grow up in different places on planet earth but in our modern culture western culture with ease of access nobody's really starving i mean you might find somebody out there but for the most part everybody has access to calories and some level of food we might not say it's the best but we don't have a, a, a we have a reasonable expectation we're gonna have food every day not everywhere on the planet has that, I recognize. But the food that I had was not optimal. It was not ideal. And because of that, I suffered. And it wasn't like I'm the first guy to figure this out. I just happened to be the guy in my generation at this age to say, okay, now I'm going to talk to people about it and hopefully make some changes and re- let them know that their ailments and diseases are not due to a random act of God. I mean, there's a process involved here and that they also have control over the recovery, even if they didn't know that they – had a part or a very big part in the disease process itself. Yeah, that's a that's a very very important component. I think that um, this particular talk that we're having right now, Robert, this this particular show, I think has the potential for being one of the m- most powerful ones. Um, very. Seldom am I doing something like I'm talking with you on the radio or I'm doing something where I think that I need to implement this. Usually when I'm lecturing or usually when I'm giving a presentation, I'm not in the mode of thinking this is something I need to implement in my right. practice because I already have or I've been implementing it into my own in my own life. This is something that I have for the last probably two, three years, mm-hmm. um, been very, very attuned to. But even when I wrote the book in 2010, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away, this is part of what I talked about. Yep. But as far as actually having it in a very simple half a page or even condensing it in a quarter of a page as a very specific 
actionable step right. uh, to start for patients to start taking. I think I'm going to do that, and that's that's where my brain is right now. That I'm going to get this written up and get this uh, so that first thing tomorrow morning. Um, staff members can start implementing this with, with patients. After your staff members need to start implementing it themselves. Yep. And, and not like usual when you usually say, remind me, Robert, to never tell that to my patients, what you just said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're having a good day here on the Robert Scabell Show. Advanced Medicine with Dr. Rashi Bittar. Now, back to the, the uh, question about her dad, um, and he's 80. He said he had re- She said he had re- routine blood panel done recently, shows he has low iron levels. Hemoglobin right. uh, level uh, 10 grams per deciliter, I believe. He has no outward Right. signs that he's anemic, but because of this result, the GP, I think they're in England because they, they'll say general practitioner there often, has said he needs right. to have a colonoscopy and CT scan because of the possibility of colon cancer. That seems to me a, be a big leap, or is that just CYA medicine? I think that's CYA medicine. It is It is a big leap, but it is CYA medicine. So here's where the key is. Let's Let's go through this from a physiological standpoint. If you don't have proper digestion, then you're not going to be properly digesting the food. Well, that, would, that would make sense, right? You can't, you're not, don't have good digestion, you're not digesting your food. What's the purpose of digestion? To extract the nutrients and then the body assimilates them. Well, if you don't have proper digestion, meaning that you can't break the food down, you're not able to pull the iron out of the food. You're not able to uh, absorb the nutrients because you're not properly digesting. They're not getting properly broken down. Think of it as a box. You're not opening up the box. You can't take out what's inside the box. So then the box gets thrown out in the trash, but you never took out the things out of the box because you couldn't open it up properly. Right. So this is, this is a perfect example of not having uh, adequate digestion or digestive enzymes and or other problems that may be going into digestion, so you're not absorbing the full nutrient value. And it's not just going to be iron. I bet you there's other mineral deficiencies if they look because it's not just going to be iron by itself. Sure, sure. Now, what of the a CT scan? We've talked about that. That's a lot of X-ray radiation, unless it's absolutely necessary from a diagnostic perspective. But the colonoscopy also comes with risks, uh, and that she's referencing that. There have been. I mean, I had an aunt who's the, was the wife of my uncle, the doctor, who I've talked about before, who had a perforation due to a colonoscopy and nearly died. Yeah, so none of these things are benign, and certainly for this type of a problem, uh, colonoscopy and a CAT scan, I mean, I have patients that um, we're treating that have very, very serious diseases, and I don't do those two things. So, um, I mean, is there a place uh, for some of this stuff? Well, uh, you can make an argument for that, certainly, but I can also make an argument for it that, no, it's not necessary in anything. So you can make an argument based on any aspect. I mean, have I done colonoscopies? I I used to do colonoscopies when I was in general surgery. Um, In fact, that's one of the places where I learned how similar pigs are to humans, that we're 86% genetically identical. The anatomical uh, structure of a pig and a human is almost identical. We used to do colonoscopies on pigs because their entire system, in fact, if you have a pig and you open them up, you know, um, from the pubis all the way up to the sternum and you split them open and you look inside the body, it's almost identical to a human. You can't really tell the difference whether you're looking inside a pig or a human. It's pretty pretty sad you know, if you think about it. But um, oh, anyway, hey, I digress. Now I'm just, I just lost my appetite. Thanks very much. <laughs> all right, listen, we're going to take a break. We're going to be back to wrap up advanced medicine here. Remember, you go to Medical Rewind. Links are up also in the show notes. RobertScottBell.com. We'll be right back. Live around the world, the Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Scott Bell Show. 
All right, carrying on now, Dr. Bittar, real quick, I want to dive into a couple of stories Super Don sent us. One is about, we're talking about an 80-year-old guy. I, I wish happy birthday to my mom. Not like most old people in the West today at 83 dancing with no drugs in her system. Uh, but there's a, a, a statement on the headline here saying, elderly face an increased risk of disability after an emergency room visit. Wait, after? What do you mean after? What do you yes. think is going on yeah. here? You know what? This is uh, this could easily easily be a moment of dub because what happens when somebody goes to the emergency room is they get put on a medication and that decreases their ability to whatever they're doing. Now, this is really an interesting uh, uh, story because I have not read this. I'm just looking at the headline. I haven't read the actual article itself, but from a uh, global perspective, looking down from an aerial perspective. What's interesting here, Robert, is that the people that I saw when I was doing ER medicine, and I've got over 10,000 documented hours of ER, plus uh, probably another four or 5,000 of undocumented ER, meaning documented, meaning that, you know, it's it's been certified and confirmed and, and reviewed, etc. and the other stuff was like moonlighting and stuff. So I've got probably 14,000, 15,000 hours working in emergency room and trauma situations. And I can tell you that, without a doubt, the people that came in that had acute adverse events had a list of medications that they were on that you could just like roll out like a carpet. And conversely, the people that came in that were over the age of 100 that came into the emergency room... Um, well, no medication. I remember this one lady that came in. She she broke her hip. She fell. She broke her hip. She was 101 years old. And I walked in there, and I'm like, you know, saying, how did this happen? And she looks at me. She goes, she goes, um, she said, I'm I'm 101 years old, son. I'm not deaf. Okay. <laughs> now, it, it was because I was just talking louder because I right. figured she'd be hard of hearing. Yes. But, you know, the, the, and she was on no medication. I mean, she said she took an aspirin um, once a week. She felt that taking an aspirin once a day as a doctor had recommended was too much. So she just took it wow. once a week. Yes. But that was, that was basically it. That was all she was on. So there's a correlation in my book with the more medications a person's on, the more right. detrimental outcome they're going to have versus the less medications. Now, some people say, well, if you're dealing with a sick person, of course you're going to have more medication. I would say, no, if you're on more medication, you're going to be more sick. And I think yes. this is where this study comes in or this article comes in, that after an emergency room visit, there is a higher chance, higher likelihood that there has been some type of a medical intervention, and post-visit, they're going to end up being disabled because of that intervention. Brilliant. Uh, the analysis there, based on your experience and, and, and you know what I've observed as well, and bringing up where we started today with my mom at 83, even this guy at 80, who's really on, I think they said, one over-the-counter drug for digestion. Uh, but yet, yeah, that can, over time, take its toll. You know, when my mom, they said she was osteopenic, uh, uh, osteoporotic on the, on the way, uh, you know, I got her on more silicon as a, as a supplement in a whole food form and rebuilt her bones within a month or two. She was, yeah, they, they couldn't believe how fast it happened. No drugs, right? And mineral deficiencies associated with digestive deficiencies. As you've said, if you can't assimilate, you can't break it down, get it out of the box into the body, it's not going to work. And ironically, magnesium, we come back to that, one of our favorite uh, minerals. If you don't have enough magnesium, you're not going to be able to produce enough stomach acid for one and i'm not just saying magnesium alone but that's a big one there uh so mm-hmm. when i talk about like the silver aloe protocol to heal the gut by you know cooling the inflammation healing the tissue it's not just about eradicating opportunistics but there are other you know herbal formulas that have been around for a while i use the can jest powder i turn into a tea for people and it's not instant quick fix but it's long-term recovery and that sometimes we need to take that slow approach as opposed to oh, i got to shut that symptom down immediately well, you can you can buffer something and a symptom will go away, but is it the right thing? 
Exactly. Sometimes that symptom, the longer it's there, it's maybe hammering you, and hopefully you will hear the message eventually, because that symptom is really, again, having the right attitude. That symptom is a blessing, and the reason it keeps on recurring is because you're not listening to it. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to it, and then you do something to uh, enact upon that, that message that you're getting, then and only then will that message stop, because it's no longer necessary, and that is the blessing, that you're getting that message when you need it, and you're getting it continuously. All right, put a gold star by this archive. This is one we're going to re-listen to and and learn a lot from. Uh, So, Dr. Batar, great, great advanced medicine program. We we ran out of time. We wanted to hit Trump's proposed vaccine commission with RFK Jr. and others. Of course, if they determine that mercury is bad and they take it out of all vaccines, we'll recognize here that they'll never take it all out because all of the subcomponents they still preserve with mercury. So that's something we'll have to revisit another time. Absolutely. Yeah. It is a good point to bring up, though, because it's this awareness of it and giving it giving it some light now. Is, it's important that people are understanding that from the government standpoint. All right. So we got some more to do, but we're out of time today. Thanks for being with me. All y'all out there, remember robertscottbell.com, medicalrewind.com, and, of course, Dr. D-R-B-U-T-T-A-R.com. We'll get you more. In the meantime, Dr. Batar, tell them what they need to know. The power to heal is unequivocally yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show.